0: Pentecost was the fulfillment of all four gospel writers said that the Messiah would baptize his people in the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm not going to preach it. That's just point one. Point number two, listen to the podcast. It's when the law of God went from an external reality into an internal transformed heart reality, where now the people of God aren't trying to strive to obey this outward thing that served as a guardian, as a tutor, really as a restrainer of sin, or so it attempted to be to now, Jeremiah 31, 33, by the Holy Spirit, the law of God is written on redeemed, transformed hearts. Friends, this changes everything. When God changes your heart, it changes everything. Sometimes overnight, how many have been radically saved? And then you had to figure out what that means as you grow and mature. And, and God actually has power to rescue you from the power of sin. How many believe that? Say amen. Oh, he did it for me. And then it's this long, beautiful journey of, appropriating what he did by faith over a lifetime of saying yes and amen, yes and amen, yes and amen. So the law of God was written on hearts. And I love this part where in, in, when the law was given, 3,000 were killed with the golden calf debacle because Moses is gone for 40 days too long. The people are like, where's our gods? Aaron, here's our gold, boom, golden calf. You're the one who let us out. Aaron's like, they made me do it. I just do it in the fire and out came a calf. But when the, when, the Spirit of, when the Holy Spirit and the law was written on hearts, 3,000 were added to the kingdom. So that was last week. There were some goodies on that. Number three, we're doing great. It was the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy that sons and daughters in Joel chapter two would prophesy that they would speak the word of God with power, precision, and anointing. And then point number four, this is where I, we, we didn't get to Pentecost was also the unfolding of Jesus's secret training uh, on the Emmaus road, and then forty days of kingdom training before he rose and asc- before he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And I can't underst- I can't understate, understate this enough. Uh, this week, I did a bunch of teachings, and I don't expect you to watch all of those like you're just waiting for teachings from, from me or from Radiant, but I did do three teachings this week. I really want to encourage you to go to our YouTube channel or our podcast. I gave a simple tool on how to read the Bible. How many think they can grow in understanding how to read the Bible? I did a simple 15-minute teaching on how to grow in prayer using the Lord's Prayer as a template. It's a great, simple teaching. It'll change your prayer life. It really will. And I did a simple teaching on all the ways God speaks through Acts chapter eight. So I'm just shameless plug. So I don't have to reference any of those here. Go watch those at your leisure, rip them apart, ask me questions. I want to help us read the Bible, connect with God in prayer and how to hear God's voice. All in favor say aye. And I can't understate enough in that first teaching I did last week during the week. God wants to open this book up to you. God wants, when you open this book, you expect to meet him. You expect to hear his voice. You expect for him to impart something of his life, of his goodness, of his nature. You expect him to disrupt your patterns of, of unhealth. You, you expect him to bring clarity about how to handle yourself in your workplace. How many believe you, that God has more, more to impart to us as it pertains to when we open this book, we're meeting with the living God? God wants to do that. Nothing is, I'm 39, nothing is, nothing, not even a close second has changed and undergirded my life more than than God putting a love for his word in my heart. And why I'm highlighting that, because right after his resurrection, this is what Jesus does. This whole entire, I almost had it, I almost opened right to it. This whole entire book, uh, this whole section called the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament, Jesus gave the disciples an entire crash course on how to read two-thirds of their Bible and to find him on every page. On two occasions, it says he explained all that was written to him about, about him, that he would die, that he would rise, that he would suffer. It was so important to Jesus. You think, okay, you just rose from the dead. You paid for the sins of all of humanity. Pretty good day. All in a day's work, says the Son of God for you and I, that'd be quite a work. Isn't it interesting? You only get like one first thing you do after you're raised from the dead with your disciples. And guess what Jesus does? He opens their Bible to them. Sorry, I think that's cool. I don't know. I'm just waiting for amens or something. So Jesus opens their Bible. He's like, here's how to read it all in light of me. So when we read, we unapologetically, yes, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit agree. This book points us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Who reveals the Father and the Spirit reveals the Son. So I get it. We're Trinitarian. But Jesus Himself unlocked the Bible to the disciples, and then it later, later, that was just the two on the road to Emmaus. Later, He goes to the, the other disciples. And it says this in in, in Luke 24, 45 through 49. He opened their minds so they could understand the word. Chad, why are you bringing this out? Because when you read the book of Acts, which is the last slide of the sermon, read the book of Acts this week, four chapters a day, you got it. You could do it. It's unbelievable how the disciples know how to use various Old Testament passages to proclaim who the Messiah is. That wasn't an accident. Jesus imparted that to him, and it was evidence of the Spirit taking the written word mixed with a human personality in a yielded vessel to release an anointed word that cuts hearts and brings people into the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. That's what happened at Pentecost. Peter gets up, and and, and as I'm going to read here in a minute, he's quoting Psalm 16, Psalm 110, Psalm 2. These guys... God, Jesus gave them a crash course in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit loves to take the Bible that we'll store in our heart. So He has ready, readily to use and accessible to be able to release the anointed word in the right time and the right attitude and the right cadence and the right decibel level. And the right decibel level. Jesus, Jesus wants you and I to have a reservoir of the word so that the Spirit, when He's like, hey that person or this scenario, this situation, he has something to draw out. How many want to give the spirit a lot to draw out, the word stored in our hearts? So this is what Jesus does. He unlocks the scriptures for the disciples. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. This is Peter's, after he quotes all of Joel 2, to explain what happened at Pentecost. So again, he's using the Bible to explain what the spirit's doing. Isn't that awesome? Love this passage. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. Say that with me. God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And I just got, the spirit energized me this morning as I was thinking about this message. I want you to know we live in a culture that is, that, in America specifically, this passage is relevant. We are in an unprecedented day where the, our, our culture's testimony is we're handing God over. We don't need him, we don't want him. All in favor, say aye. I want you to know God is is not like, oh, crud, what do I do? God's purposes can still prevail in America, in our region, our city, and our families. They handed over Jesus, but God had a plan in the handing over, in the betrayal, in the, in the, the, the false trial, in the mockery, in the slander. And I'm not saying what God wants to do in America is as epic as what he did for his son. Don't hear me, misquote me. I'm just saying in my spirit, I'm like, oh my word, my, my, one of my, uh, I guess I would call him a, a father. He's like an older brother, mentor. John Tyson always says, our culture, it's like, re, it's like a reverse exorcism. We're, driving, we're seeking to drive God out of all of the institutions, all of our school, everything. And I want you to know, even God can fulfill his purpose when prevailing culture rejects if there's a few that say, no, Jesus, we want you here. He can do his thing, Amen. Everyone rejected Jesus, but there was a man who said, not my will, but yours be done. And one who submitted to God's will is more powerful than 10 million against God's will. That was Jesus, the son of God. The one who said in Psalm 40, verses six through eight, it's written about me in the scroll. I delight to do your will. Oh, I wanna do your purposes, Father. Though, though, though they strike the shepherd and all the sheep scatter, Father, I'm standing in agreement with your will and purposes. And I don't know if that, that might be a throwaway, or maybe that encourages someone here this morning, that even though there's a deliberate plan, and there is in our culture afoot, even though we're bent on reverse, just get out, God, we don't want to live with reverence for you or reference to you. Just a few in every sphere and culture that will stand their ground and say, no, we want you here. Life doesn't progress to utopian hope, blissful future. It digresses to the chaotic waters of anti-creation. So in every place God has you, one voice that says, Lord, I want to do it your way to glorify you for the good of others. Not so that I'm highlighted, but that you are. I want you to know you're impacting the places that God has scattered you. God is, you're impacting your school, you're impacting your workplace, you're impacting your family, even if you're the only believer. Jesus just needs one. So be encouraged and be of good cheer, beloved. Peter is standing 120, and what scholars think between 150 to 200,000 in Jerusalem, 120 versus 200,000. And Peter's like, y'all handed him over, but God had a plan even when you handed him over. How many believe God still has a plan? And so Peter masterfully weaves together all these various prophetic promises. I already shared these slides, so I already said that. He quotes Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. He's able to show and proclaim the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. This is what was prophesied through God's servant, King David. So I love that. So if you're struggling with the Bible, my little teaching on how to read the Bible, step one is as you're, as you're reading it, talk to the Holy Spirit. God, what does this mean? Unfold this to me. I want you to know he will be your teacher. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 2, 20. It says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. He goes on to say in verse 26, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. What he's referring to is the indwelling spirit, the anointing, the favor of God, the, the pleasure of God, the power of God. He smears you with the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And I want you to know this is your greatest asset to become a student of this. There's no better teacher than the Holy Spirit. All in favor, say amen. Human teachers are amazing. The Spirit uses human teachers, but I'm saying when you get up in the morning, on your commute to work, or you're driving home, set your heart to seek God in the Word, and while you're listening, while you're journaling and writing, constantly be in dialogue with the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The one who energized the authors loves to impact and empower the readers. Hey, that's a good one. All right, are we doing good? Are we happy? Peter goes on. Again, the assignment is to read all of Acts this week, so I can just pick sections. God has raised this Jesus to life. We are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Jesus is the world's one true King of kings and Lord of lords. And friends, I just have to believe, uh, there's a slide on it later. This is not the time to shrink back, to hide your light under a bushel, oh no, to water down the gospel, to try to fit in, to be publicly or politically correct. Don't be a jerk, that's not what I'm saying. But church, God wants to put the Pentecostal fire boldness in his people. He wants us to be unashamed to say this Christ. I love that language. He made this Jesus, verse 36. Say that with me. This Jesus. Which one? The one you killed and crucified, but God had a deliberate plan and he used your wickedness to accomplish his eternal redemptive plan. This Jesus is the very one he raised up and seated at his right hand. And I want you to know, we don't need to change Jesus to become more palpable to a generation. He is sufficient to save sinners of all shapes and sizes and styles and structures and everything. This Jesus, say it with me, this Jesus, we don't have to change as if we could change Jesus. We need Jesus to be Jesus because the darkness is increasing and we need him to be him, amen? We need him to do what he does, which is save, heal, set free, and deliver. Verse 37, when the people heard this, they were, say it with me, cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Stunned. So first of all, God pours out the spirit. The church is praying. There's a sequence. They're praying. They get the house in order. Judas's place had to be filled because there needed to be 12. It's 12 was the governmental number. How God establishes things. So there's 12 who are now apostles, witnesses of Christ's life, ministry, death, and resurrection. They're praying in a spirit of agreement. The spirit pours out, hearts are transformed. Holy Spirit comes to occupy and reside. They're supernaturally able to speak in other languages that they did not learn. There's 13 different languages that are represented there on, the first, on this first day, this first Pentecost. They're hearing the wonders of God in their own native language, and they're like, how is it? Because you're all Galileans. This makes no sense. Peter connects what they're experiencing supernaturally with the Scriptures. This is Joel 2. It's happening right now, right here. And then he weaves masterfully the whole gospel storyline through the Hebrew Scriptures, in particular the Psalms. This is what God always planned. Haven't you ever read David, to which the whole audience is like, yeah, every day. We probably have most of it memorized. But they didn't see it. And then he gets up and he says, this Jesus, the one you handed over, the Father is glorified. He's poured out the Holy Spirit. And I love it. I long for the day as a preacher, for the audience to be the one to say, what should we do? That's like a preacher's dream. Instead of like, man, I hope they're getting it. I hope that one-liner was good. I hope the four A's and five P's and all the alliteration effort that I put in day in and day out, that the Holy Spirit is so thick that the testimony of Jesus is so vibrant that they're, they're the ones who are like, oh, my word, this changes everything. What should we do? Can you imagine? The crowd, what do we do? If this is true, it changes everything. If Jesus is the Lord and Messiah, if he's the king, ha! And here, last step of Pentecost, and there's more. I only chose five points. The disciples became the bold, courageous, spirit-filled witnesses that Jesus said they'd become, and they baptized the new disciples. Look, at, look what happens. Here's what Peter replies. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to that, their number that day. I just made a slide just to help you. What did, what did he tell them to do? Repent, believe, be baptized, be forgiven, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many think we need all five of those in real time today in our culture and in our generation? Repent, change your mind, stop with the path you're going on, respond to Jesus, believe that he is the soul-sufficient Savior, be baptized, which is the immersion of your old life of sin and self is buried with Christ, you're raised in the newness of life, be forgiven, all of your sins wiped away and be filled with the indwelling Holy Spirit. And then I love this language of being saved from the corruption of their generation. The, the, the sin of Jesus' generation was unbelief. They didn't believe in Jesus. And how many know unbelief, uh, another phrase for it in our cultural moment is deconstruction has become a, a, a virtue. And I want you to know, deconstructing bad theology is a virtue, but deconstructing for deconstruction is not a virtue. Unbelieving because unbelieving and being skeptical is not virtuous, amen? Amen. And so when, hear the word of the Lord from Peter, save yourself from, after they're already baptized, after they already repent, he's like, but there's more, you're in a culture of unbelief and that culture can get on the inside of you if you do not take precautions and measures. How many feel sometimes when you, you, you maybe you haven't been reading your word or keeping up with your favorite podcast or worship or your rhythms in the, in the spirit, that you just, just by nature of our cultural moment, you've, cynicism rises up in your heart. Anybody feel cynical or critical or sarcastic? Every hand should be raised if you're actually honest. No one's honest. We, we, it's, our, it's the air we breathe. And so Peter's like, you've got that. The culture around you is strong, but the culture within you, the culture of faith and trust and belief, let that culture propel you forward. And I want you to know there is hope from being saved from a culture of unbelief by trusting in the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus. John, I quoted one John earlier, but look at this passage. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God, say it with me, overcomes the world. And let's keep reading all together. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So how do, you, how do you escape the corruption of the world? How do you escape a sinful, unbelieving generation? Keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus. Believing in Jesus equals the victory that overcomes the sinful, unbelieving world. And I want you to know that that unbelief dies the more you see of Jesus the more you see of Jesus. That's why I did three teachings on how to hear his voice, how to pray and how to read this and find him. He wants us to have homes and have hearts where revelation is normal. He's he's unfolding more of his character, more of his nature. We're able to speak heart to heart, life to life of the things we're reading in the word, things that we're chewing on from a teaching we liked or a book we're walking through. He wants this to be normative in our spiritual family. Why? Because the, 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 the pull of other voices is so, are so loud and so strong. Can I get an amen? And so we want to cre- we want to say yes to become a culture where it's normal to hear things like, man, God showed me this this week. Wouldn't you love that to be normal? Hey man, what were you reading this week? And man, I was reading such and such in, in Matthew. Did you know that like, the, blah, blah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was reading a Psalm. I never saw this. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let it be so of our church. In the name of Jesus, that it's normal to share overflow of what God's showing us and sharing with us. All in favor, say aye. And then lastly, there was a point six. I was wrong. This is the last one. This new covenant, spirit-filled, baptized, forgiven community, immediately, say immediately, they immediately develop shared rhythms and lifestyles that orient their entirety of their life around Jesus. How do you know? Well, here's the last part. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, many wonders and signs that performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, And love this part. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. They knew their commitment to Jesus was not a one and done kind of decision. The new life needed cultivation, care, and nurture from the community of spirit-filled, baptized, forgiven saints. How many know we need each other? That's not just a catchy statement. We actually do need each other. I need you. I need brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. I need friends. You do too our great desire. We've been in massive seasons of transition here, there, and everywhere. But one of the things we're excited to do this, this summer is A, to have fun together. We got some park days planned. It's going to be amazing. We're even going to partner, I think, in August with the Quippers, uh, my, my buddy John's church, uh, John and Pat Sparrow, in August and do a backpack giveaway thing. So be on the lookout for that as well but we want to provide opportunities, not just to see each other for one and a half hour on a Sunday, but to springboard into communities that we just read about. Communities of devotion, amen? doesn't have to be a bunch of people. It doesn't even have to be every week. It can be every other week, once a month, but we wanna encourage you. And I wrote a whole teaching on this, and so I'm gonna go really quick. It's actually downloadable on the QR code. I called it Kingdom Community Blueprint. This is just ripping off that. There are five Ps that I saw here in Acts chapter 2. You're welcome. If it's not helpful, then just laugh with me, okay? It's helpful for me. I store them all. That's how my brain and heart work, okay? So what did they do? What were they devoted to? They were a community that proclaimed the word. Say that with me. Proclaim the word. Both the written word and the prophetic word. God, what, are you, what have you said and what are you saying? And those will be in agreement. Say that with me. What have you said? And what are you saying? They won't disagree with each other. Amen. The written word and the prophetic word. Number two, they, read it with me. They participate in the fellowship. Every member matters and every part gets to play. This is what they did, end fellowship. Number three, they practice, say it with me. They practice the way. The way of what? Hospitality, generosity, and extending welcome in the grace of Christ. Number four, prayer. Prayer is the one thing. I have a whole writing on this. This was like five or four years ago or so. I remember the Lord's like, prayer is the only thing in the Bible that I say to do in all circumstances for all people in every situation without ceasing. I could give you references. Those are all Bible verses tied together. Prayer, pulling on the resources of heaven with thanksgiving and praise. How many want to grow in prayer this summer? Just just learning how in all circumstances, for all people, without ceasing. And then number five, the last thing they relied on as a community was the, say with me, the power of the Spirit. God confirmed the gospel word with signs and wonders. This new community became a magnet to the world around them. And I would say, beloved, we need another Pentecost where God takes people just like us everyday ordinary folks who have different jobs, different skill sets, different passions, different desires, but he stuffs them with his divine life. And he flips our our narrative, our story upside down or rather right side up, where now I'm not doing what I do to get acceptance or to get applause or approval. I'm living from a place of acceptance because of the work of Christ. I'm living from a place of significance because my God is my father And it frees me to just be a a spirit-filled son or daughter who serves the purposes of God in my generation and in my context. Because the spirit is energizing, animating, and empowering me to be his witness. And I love this. I just can't get over. Who is Peter preaching to? He's preaching to the very people that wanted Jesus dead. The boldness, the courage, and the power that Peter received did not come from himself from on high. And I want you to know the days we're living in can feel daunting. They can feel overwhelming. They can feel even scary as you think about some of the fulfillments of prophecy and the ratcheting up of, of, of this, the last hour of the, of the end times in which we're in. But I want you to know God actually has a remedy for your fear called the power of the Holy Spirit. He has a remedy for our timidity, and it's called the courage that comes from being filled with the Spirit. It's the ability not to have a fear-free zone, but to face your fears with confidence that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Jesus wants to fill each of us with the same Holy Spirit in the moment in history that is trying to exercise God, get out, we don't want you. But just a few people who refuse to play that narrative and script say, no, I cannot live without reverence for him and reference to him. In him, all things hold together. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. How many believe that this morning? This is Jesus. He sustains us by his word. He empowers us by his word. And so I wrote just a little rapid fire prayer. Jesus, build your church. Holy Spirit, fill your people. Father, mobilize us with power for your kingdom mission in the world. God, may our whole life be given over to your lordship. And would you, God, please give us boldness for the hour in which we live. How many would take one or all the above? <laughs> and so what are some action steps? Look at this. I haven't have an action step slide. I'm just doing better today. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Read the book of Acts this week. Four chapters a day. If you're doing the math, that's 28 chapters. You're welcome. I'm not good at math, but I know four times seven. I had to check it this morning. I'm like, four, two, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> okay, got this. Just get caught up in the story. Of what God can do with ordinary people filled with an extraordinary God. Number two, this is an action step. I want to encourage you deeply. Join or start a five P community that proclaims the word, participates, felt, practices the way, pray, and power. Join one in this community this summer. Chad, where are they? I don't know. Come talk to me. Let's start one. Let's help you start one. We don't have to start them. You can start them. We'll resource you. We'll come to the first one or the first three. It doesn't matter. Just to help, get someone's phone number after service. Hey, you look not that weird. Do you want to hang out this summer? Or maybe it's the opposite. You look weird. Perfect. You're like me. Friends, just do it. Start with every other week. Start with once a month. Just a barbecue. This summer is a great time. Not to get gnarly and, you know, because we're all in, in Lux with, and people are getting ready to have babies and stuff, you know, shout out. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless Nat and Conrad. Thank you for this little baby, Conrad, that's coming so soon. Thank you for an amazing delivery. We cannot wait to celebrate this precious little boy with our friends and our family. In Jesus' name. So summer are getting ready to have babies, so their summer is going to be a little bit different. Amen. A lot different. Read the book of Acts. Think about starting a community. Just have, people, have some people over. That sounds real complicated. It's not complicated. Have them over. Read the Bible. What does it say about God, people, plan, purpose, pray for each other. What are you facing? What's copping you happy? Happy, sad, mad glad? Just it's simple. Or just eat a meal, have fun, play board games. And then at the end, pray and say, it was a community group. I'm kidding. It was a community group. Hang it. We need to have fun together. Too serious. I'm way too serious, I know, so I'm working on it. Number three: an action step, attend the prophetic training conference. It's just a two-night deal, Sunday night, Monday night. These are three things from this message that you can take and put into practice. Amen? So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this. I love Acts chapter two. I I just could read it every week and and find something new. But Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that this summer would be a significant summer where you, Holy Spirit, take take us closer to your heart Father, it is a time to hit pause on some ordinary things like school. Kids all said amen Amen" in the other room. But it's also a time, Lord, where you, you, can, you can help us. There's maybe a, a little more time to explore some of these things that we've talked about this morning, forming communities and the like. I just pray, Lord, you would move us as a church closer to your heart. I pray that you would release boldness and courage into us right now to be those witnesses that are unashamed and unafraid to declare it's this Jesus, this Jesus that was crucified, the father raised up, seated at his right hand, and he's poured out what you now see and hear on everyday ordinary people like us from Galilee, from the central coast, from Santa Maria, from Napomo, from the five cities, from San Luis Obispo, ordinary folks like us, but who've said yes to the Lordship of Jesus. God, I praise you and I thank you And if you just say you wanna be filled with fresh boldness today, I love having just a response time. Would you just stand to your feet? If you like the apostles, you see, how did Peter do it? Just 50 days earlier, he was denying Jesus to a small little girl around a fire. And now he's standing in front of thousands telling them, though you are the ones who killed Jesus, don't worry, God still fulfill this plan. So God, we're standing right now in your presence. And just ask, say, Holy Spirit, fill me with boldness. Holy Spirit, fill me with courage. Yeah, just been 10 or 15, 30 seconds, just that simple prayer. Fill me like you filled them. And even though maybe my workplace is a, a, difficult or I'm, I'm in a school system that's a little bit hostile or I, I'm getting heat from my family, why are you into that Jesus stuff? Or why do you read that old book? I just pray for boldness over the body of Christ right now. I pray that we would be unafraid and unashamed, that, Lord, you would write your word on our heart. Holy Spirit, come with power. Father, we thank you for 2 Timothy 1.7. The spirit God gave us does not make us fearful, but gives us power, love, and a sound mind. So, God, I pray that you would just now upgrade our operating system from one of timidity, insecurity, fear to courage, boldness, and life. Holy Spirit, come. Minister to our body. And I just thank you for, for this, these action points. I pray that you would put a hunger in our hearts. If you want that, just say, Lord, give me a hunger for your word. Just that simple cry, Lord, give me a hunger for your word. Maybe you wanna join a community this summer and just build out your own rhythm once a month, twice a month, every week, whatever works for you. Just say, Holy Spirit, do you have a community for me to join? Or Holy Spirit, do you have a community I'm supposed to help form this summer? And then, Lord, I just thank you that you, you said your sons and daughters would prophesy. And so I pray, Lord, you would just release hope and courage and confidence that we are your sheep and we know your voice. And then, Lord, send us from this place in the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We all said amen and amen.